Welcome to this month's installment of Brass Chats, brought to you by Monster Oil. What is this? 21 year? Hi everybody, welcome to Brass Chats. Today, we are so lucky to snag a few minutes with the current principal trumpet of the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra before she blows the walls down at Carnegie Hall, the fantastic Karen Bliznik, everybody. Thanks for making the time to see hey, us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, please tell us about the first time you picked up a trumpet. What made you pick trumpet? I picked the trumpet because, uh, a couple things. Honestly, the one of the reasons <laughs> is because it had three buttons. Um, and my sister played the clarinet, and I knew that I didn't want to have that many buttons. <laughs> so that, I have to say, the comparison between those, that, that was uh, one of them. I actually really wanted to be a percussionist. So I had a, when you're in grade school, you were like put a list of your top instruments that you wanted to play. And percussion was my first. My mom said no, because she wanted something that actually made music. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's how I picked the trumpet. Um, my dad actually is also... Uh, a trumpet player, and he was in the Navy band. Navy band, right. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, probably another inspiration. He had a silver king flare that was in the bottom of his uh, his closet, and I would occasionally just sneak a peek and like look at it. I wasn't allowed to play it until I actually got good enough at this uh, mothball kind of uh, smelling trumpet that I had at the time. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, and I slowly grew. Um, I actually, my neighbor across the street is also a trumpet player that I grew up. Uh, with and that's Brian Scanlon and he does all kinds of really incredible uh, lead trumpet playing all over the place uh, and so yeah I think it was just got the ball rolling and I, I was really lucky to have a really great uh, fine arts program at my high school uh, and then from there on it was just kind of I don't know something I really enjoy doing. When did you know that trumpet's your job? This is what I want to do with my life. It took a while uh, honestly. Uh, I we were chatting earlier and I, I was saying that uh, I started as uh, trumpet and I was interested also in computer science um, and started taking some classes there and realized I wasn't really that great at computer science uh, and slowly started getting better at the trumpet um, maybe around my junior year I finally saved up a whole bunch of money and bought uh, a Blackburn C trumpet and that was my first professional model C trumpet. Before that my dad just went to a random store, well actually Rayburn Music, and um, and just went and he rented a C, a uh, random Yamaha student C trumpet and I had that until my junior year and I learned how to play C trumpet until I finally felt like I could pick out what I wanted and from there on I'm like well I dropped a lot of money on this, this, is, this has got to be really serious now. So. From I would say probably my junior year on, I started thinking that I might really be interested. So, who was the most influential person in your early development? You said your dad was in the Navy band. Was he mm -hmm. an influence? Was it somebody else? Was it recordings? Yeah, he had he had a lot of influence on me because we would play duets uh, after dinner. My mom would be washing the dishes, and <laughs> that would be the way to get out of that chore if I would practice trumpet with dad. Nice. Uh, so that's how that started. Um, but I also had a, uh, the band director of my high school music program, uh, Vincent Margrina. He is really, really well known in the South Shore of Boston. South Shore of Boston. South Shore. Yeah. Um, and he has done a lot of great things with uh, the districts and the all states and everything going on down there and was great with getting me into playing in the musical pits and playing uh, in the jazz band and playing in the wind ensemble and playing solos in front of the marching band and all kinds of stuff like that. I think really got it 
uh, got it going. It was very inspirational, and I don't think I ever thought twice as to, you know, oh, I have to do this as a profession. You know, it was just really enjoyable at the time. So, so after doing all of those different things, and, you know, you talked about Broadway musicals, um, even, you know, marching band that might lead you to drum corps or something like that, mm -hmm. what, how does orchestral music in particular feed your uh, musical hunger? What draws you to that particularly? Um, I think the structure of it uh, was was useful and also knowing that there was um, I don't even know how to, I have to say this the nicest way it felt like there it was one of the easiest things to actually have a find find a profession in it something that was stable something that was you know, going to keep you in one place where you could actually start a life instead of, for example, being on the road, touring with a group or something like that, that wasn't as uh, interesting to me. I, I, I guess I, thinking back, I don't really know why, um, but I, when I started at Boston University, I think a part of me wanted to be a soloist because uh, Terry Everson is fabulous soloist. I mean, just fabulous. Um, I feel like he took his music and put it inside me. Um, it was great, really, really wonderful to hear him play all his recitals and really sparked that interest. And then as I was trying to figure out what I could actually do and if I thought that that was something that I could do, I don't know. I mean, when you're younger, you're, I, I think, a little bit humble and you're like, well, I think, you know, I'm going to leave that solo stuff for Terry because he's out of this world. And um, I went to uh, study at Northwestern and they essentially from the get-go just started getting me learning all of the excerpts and figuring out you know, how, how it goes really, you know, the how it goes of all mm -hmm. of it is what Barbara Butler says all the time. Right. Um, and that was, that was super interesting um, because I was kind of a blank slate in a lot of ways. It's not that I didn't know the excerpts or anything, but it, it's, uh, it really started getting me going into it. Um, luckily I got to study with um, Tom Rolfs in the Boston Symphony my senior year in addition to Terry Everson. Um, and that was cool. He started just giving me basically a symphony a week and we'd sit in the Boston Symphony Hall basement with like the boilers as loud. You could barely hear what he's saying. I recorded the lessons and most of the time you can't even hear what he's saying because it's We've so loud down, down there. there. We yeah. know. Yep. Um, and just running through a lot of symphonies and kind of just telling me, hey, this is how it goes. Do you have your recorder on? Yeah. Playing it. It's like, play it like that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I can do that. You know, and just kind of learning by rote in that, in that regard and recordings, of course, you know, sure. all of so many fabulous recordings. Yeah. Well, we'll get into uh, some audition prep and, and talking about recording yourself later. Um, but for now, I wanted to ask you, you've played a lot of principal uh, mm -hmm. trumpet, which is, uh, which is really cool for somebody that's so young, right? Um, Charleston, Santa Fe, Charlotte, uh, and now St. Louis, of course, for the last year and a half. What, um, Tell me about some of the different or unique challenges that you've had in St. Louis so far that have set that apart. Uh, set that apart from playing principal in the other orchestras? That or even just principal trumpet versus other Other things. positions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. Having come from Atlanta Symphony where I was the associate, um, learning that position was interesting for me in a lot of ways because uh, Tom Hooten was playing principal trumpet. I feel like I'm a name dropper right now, but it's, <laughs> I don't really mean to be that way. That's why uh, we got you. Not for Karen Blisnick, <laughs> but for all the people that she knows. Just, I'm actually impressed. I'm very bad at remembering names. These are all, <laughs> luckily a lot of my favorite people. So. Um, but uh, yeah, so Tom Hooten was there and he, he was just a great role model to, to actually sit in the orchestra and see from a little bit from afar someone else playing principal and how to make your section play well together and how to guide them um, in ways musically and ways, you know, interactively with the other person up, you know, 
personalities in the orchestra, and I think you know just even making to making assignments. A lot of that stuff as you make your way up become more difficult because you have more people in your section. You have, um, I mean, you always have respect for the people in your section, but you know people have different lives as you as you uh, progress in the profession, and so it was really neat. Uh, to see him there. So then going on to St. Louis, yeah, I, you know, walking into a section where you've had Susan Slaughter there for 40 something years, um, it's, it can be a little bit intimidating, but the guys in the section were just, they were just really nice, uh, very complimentary, and um, kind of an open book in the idea where, like, hey, you know, this is how we've done it, but we're open to any other ideas that you bring to it because we like the idea of having someone new and exciting in this section as well. So, um, and it's been neat deciding what things that I think really work and what things that I want to try to make better. So, really, that's kind of been the difference. Great. What St. Louis concert performance has been your favorite so far in the year and a half? Uh, it's funny. I was. I had a feeling you might ask this because I've been. I've been thinking um, along the way. You know, I was really lucky to play uh, the Shostakovich Piano Concerto maybe the second month that I was with the orchestra, and that was that was super exciting for me. I've always wanted to play that piece. I just, it's just, it's really exciting for me. Very musical, so playful, yeah. and the inter interaction where you're the only brass player on stage, you know, or you're, you know, only one player on stage. Just, it's so enjoyable to just be sitting amongst all of that incredible string playing. I mean, I felt like I had the front row seat of, you know, of the orchestra like in your face uh, with the sound and the lushness of all of the strings. Yeah. Anyway, so that's been, that was great. And, you know, I guess most recently we just, we just did a Bruckner symphony and confession be told, I've actually never played principal on a Bruckner symphony until that pa this past week. And wow, it's just so fun. <laughs> um, it was Bruckner three and a lot of people don't really love that symphony, but I think the What's the most exciting to me in a performance is when I feel like the brass section is really, really unified. And that's what makes it the best kind of performance for me. Uh, where I feel like everyone's note lengths and articulations and phrasing, breathing and everything are together. When it feels like it lines up like that and you're getting a really massive sound, but not having to work too hard for that uh, is when it really feels right. I'm jealous of everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so how about some trumpet nitty-gritty. Uh, to you, what's the most underrated or under-practiced part of trumpet playing in general? Uh, I think I'm constantly discovering this. <laughs> like, I feel like every month there's something new and exciting that I want to make sure I'm continuously adding into my, into my playing. Um, right now, I've been doing a lot of, of air attacks um, just because I think that that's the root of it all. You know, if your air is not moving before you articulate, then you're not going to get the sound that you want. So really making sure that the sound is led by your air and not by anything else. Um, I think that's one. And then also, f for me, it's not even necessarily a trumpet all the time. It's, it's your mental game and your mental preparation. Um, I've started doing a little bit um, of meditation and, and whatnot to feel like you have a clear mind when you're going into things and that you're not distracted by other things going on in your life. Um, and I think, I think that's really important for a lot of reasons because you can go into a performance, be distracted, and you're now thinking about the technicality of the instrument. You're now you're thinking about, you know, 
who knows what else can be distracting, but really finding a way to sit in the orchestra and really enjoy it, I think, is what I'm constantly striving for. It's not that you're not enjoying it, but you're trying to get to a point where it's just fluid, you know? Yep. I guess is the best way to put it. Sure. So yeah, you don't... it's not too technical, but I think it's something that will help anyone really try and enjoy what they're doing. I mean, it makes sense. You don't walk by thinking about putting one foot in front of the other. You yeah. just do it. Well, I mean, I think there's another great quote is, you know, you don't go into a basketball game trying not to get hurt, you know, you, it's it, or any yeah. any sports uh, field at all. So I think that's really interesting. And I, I'm constantly thinking of stuff like that when it comes to trumpet playing. Nobody's going to know what day this was recorded on okay. un until I say it, uh, <laughs> but it's March 20th, so we're now in the second day of the round of 64. Did you fill out a bracket speaking of basketball? I don't do that. I don't do that. Uh, <laughs> don't hate me. No, I don't, I don't hate you. I was just curious. You said basketball. I thought yeah. it would be really interesting. Okay. <laughs> I picked Notre Dame to win it all, okay? <laughs> you can quote me on that. Um, give us a snapshot of your daily warm-up routine practice session, that kind of thing. Um, okay. Uh, so... For example, this morning, it starts with um, some mouthpiece buzzing and making sure that I'm getting a nice, um, solid sound on the mouthpiece and I'll have a drone on in the background and I go from B flat to B flat, just one octave, um, and kind of play through some scales and making sure that feels fluid and also within the articulation as well, um, getting a nice due to something that's really air driven for an articulation. Um, putting it onto the trumpet, um, I really like doing these uh, crescendo decrescendos. Um, some people like to call them long tones. They sound boring when you call them long tones, so I call them crescendo decrescendos. Um, and there's many more things you can think about within that. Um, starting the articulation right, making sure that the intonation stays centered throughout all of that. And then really, I mean, that's all brass playing is, is crescendoing and decrescendoing. So if you can have a really nice sound throughout all of that, um, working through the register, uh, then that's, I think, a great start for me. Um, also doing a lot of multiple articulation. Um, uh, Gecker has a, an articulation, multiple articulation book. I just do a little bit of that kind of thing. Single articulation, multiple articulation, tr um, you know, single, double, triple, everything that you can get going to make that feel clean um, and then at that point I feel usually pretty warmed up. Um, I've done a little bit uh, of Michael Davis's 20-minute warm-up routine. Um, that can be fun when you feel like maybe you're distracted a little bit. Uh, it really helps putting on the Phil Smith CD and playing along, uh, getting some air airflow and some slurring going. But overall it's kind of kind of basic um, and then I, I do just enjoy droning a lot because I think that helps say that within the orchestra or even you know, I have a recital coming up, I'm playing on four different instruments throughout the recital. So I want to be able to pick, a, pick it up and know that I can play it in tune. So keeping a drone on and picking a different instrument up and every time you pick it up, uh, trying to play it the best in tune that you can. Women today comprise fewer than 5% of the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies mm -hmm. and by our math, the trumpet world is even less than that, like yeah. by a lot. Uh, what challenges have you faced as a female in, in this environment? Hmm. Um, there's a, I think there's a, a list of things that people might bring to the table um, in that regard when, when uh, talking about, I don't know, I guess it's essentially sexism in some ways, I guess, or you could... I was trying to know, ask the I'm question with, you know, kind yeah. of avoiding that yeah, word, yeah, but no, I guess I kind of the real 
you know, question is, has that ever been a problem for you? Have you ever experienced something like that? Um, well, I feel, I guess I should lead with saying that I feel really lucky that the St. Louis, St. Louis Symphony, <laughs> I think, is very well acquainted with having women in the orchestra. So going into a position there has never been, I've never had an issue. Um, as far as I'm, as, I guess as far as I know in my career, I've felt really lucky that a lot of other women have paid the, paved the way um, in that regard. Uh, <clears throat> Maurice Bettiale, um, Susan, obviously, uh, and I know that there's lists of other women that are even currently still in orchestras. So I do feel lucky that I didn't have to be the first. Um, I'm, I know it was difficult. I know there's a lot of stories, um, but you know, on, I, I try my hardest, honestly, to not even think about it. So it's, it always catches me a little off guard, no offense. Uh, no, of course. Because I, I tried not to go to work and think of myself as one sex or the other. I really, because sure. I, I don't think that does anyone well. I don't think it benefits anyone. Um, so really, I think throughout most of my career, I, I do have like a small part of my brain where, you know, some people might suggest, oh yeah, your life might be a little bit more difficult because that's not necessarily a woman's field. But I, I'm really lucky that a lot of people have been so supportive that it really, I, I don't feel like it's totally faced me. Um, maybe in a way that a lot of other women have had to deal with it. So I, I guess I chucked it up to feeling really lucky. What do you think the future holds for that gender gap uh, among brass players in, in particular? Well, I, I, hope, um, I hope that in some way I can be an inspiration to not just other women. I, I mean, that's, it, I would like to say that first, but it would be nice to say, hey, there's still a woman in a principal position in an orchestra. Hopefully, you know, I'm on enough recordings where that comes out. And I mean, I have a recording of Susan Slaughter playing American in Paris with the St. Louis Symphony that still to this day, I don't think it ever crossed my mind like, oh, but this is how a woman plays it. It's, it's, it's not how it has ever gone through my head. I just thought it sounded beautiful and I wanted to play it like that, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And if you've read the book, The Talent Code, there tends to be these pockets um, of people that are inspired by um, other women. So uh, you have, um, the tennis players, the two, two females, Venus and um, Serena, Serena yeah. right? So you have them, and all of a sudden now there's younger women that are becoming really interested in tennis. And same thing with golf, and same thing with all these other sports. And I like to make these correlations because I think music and sports are just so similar, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, everything down to the psychology of, of uh, performing and practicing. But um, I guess my hope is that this um, tradition of women being in orchestras is something that just becomes natural um, and you know I know that it's hard for anyone to get a job it really is it's very very difficult um, having just hosted an audition in the St. Louis Symphony I heard plenty of awesome trumpet players right but it's really just a process of um, you know shaving off a couple people so that you can finally find the, the right fit so anyway I guess the point to come back around is that I just hope that maybe I can become an inspiration to other people that know that there's nothing that can really stop you, no matter who you are, what you do, what you look like, or anything, really. Well, try not to look at this as too much brown nosing, but if it's any, um, not consolation, that's not the right word. If yeah. it's any, uh, what's the word? <laughs> just say yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're, I've never heard of anyone speak of you as anything but that, but I an inspiration. That. So that's, it's, and, and myself, and I know Chris included. Um, I appreciate so, that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's awesome. With that, 
note being said, we're going to move on to the monster round. This oh, is okay. the rapid fire. Uh, you know, have some fun with it, and uh, just remember, it's a safe place here in Brashets. Okay, you ready? You want to you you give me a little? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, here we go. Brass Chats, Monster Round, Karen Blisnick. Here we go. What is your favorite place to perform? Paul Hall. Fastest time running a mile? Ooh, 8.15. Favorite team in any sport? Oh, goodness. I have to say the Patriots. Can you swim? Yep. How many years have you been playing trumpet? Uh, no, not, like 20 years, 20 years. Name an orchestral composer who really knew how to write for trumpet. I think Shostakovich. Favorite milkshake flavor? Ooh, ah, vanilla. So plain. Sorry. Who is your least favorite dead composer? Least favorite Mozart. <laughs> favorite orchestral excerpt? Um, I've always enjoyed playing Petrushka. All right. Being so geeky. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. You're doing an educational, uh, you know, meet and greet instrument petting zoo kind of thing, and a little girl tells you, "Wait a second. But girls don't play trumpet, and there are a hundred more kids in line, so you got to make it quick. What do you say to her? I say I play trumpet. Empire State Building or Gateway Arch? Ooh, Gateway. Favorite etude book? Ooh, I really enjoy uh, Vizzuti's New Concepts. Uh, new Concept book. It's just it's really basic, but it's fun. If you could have achieved the same level of accomplishment playing a different instrument than trumpet, which one would it have been? I still think percussion would have been fun. That's just me. Never too late. Yeah. What's your favorite trumpet to play that's not pitched in B-flat or C? Mm, I enjoy playing E-flat e trumpet. Name of your first pet? Pumpkin. <laughs> favorite note? Favorite note? Yeah. Ooh, I think I like a C. Favorite key? Favorite key, F major. Favorite city? Favorite city, Boston. Okay. What's the best military band in the world? The United States Coast Guard Band or one of the other ones? The United States Coast Guard Band is the greatest band in the history of man and will remain so until the end of time. What size mouthpiece do you play for all the trumpet nerds? Oh out there? gosh, it's some long combobulated. It's like uh, it's a park. Actually, I have it here. It's a 275. <laughs> Someone gave it to me, mouthpiece. Is nice. What it is. <laughs> me too. I have the same size. Uh, okay, first piece of music that made you realize that that's what you wanted to do with your life. Wow. Um, <clears throat> I think it was probably Copeland. Uh, I've just been really inspired by Copeland, and I think just gorgeous music. You could go back in time to any concert that occurred in history. Which one would it be? That I was in or that I've attended? Anything. Ooh. Or in history. Yeah? Beethoven in 5 history. premiere, right oh, Spring premiere, anything. Wouldn't that be incredible? Yeah. Um, wow, you're, you're putting things in my brain. I didn't know <laughs> I had so many options. Um, I would love to, I actually was really lucky to go to the BBC proms and the Berlin Phil played Beethoven 9. It was incredible. I was basically sitting almost in the bass section. They were playing so soft I could <laughs> not hear them. That's awesome. What's the wrongest thing a non-musical stranger has mistaken your trumpets for? Oh gosh, a parachute. A parachute? Yeah, oh, I, I was, I was shopping in a store and someone asked me if I was a skydiver. Favorite place to run? Um, favorite place to run? Uh, gosh, oh, oh sorry, Tower Grove Park. It's, where I live, it's across the street now. Last but not least, what's your favorite Ted Drew's flavor? Oh gosh, I know it's all. There's so many good ones. I think it's a Route 66. It's a yeah, it's a malt flavored. It's pretty good. Can't go wrong. Yeah. Everybody, Karen Blisnick, thank you very much for sitting down with us. It's yeah. been awesome. No problem. Thank you, Karen. Thanks. Thanks.